0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hey, everybody. Luis Miguel Echegaray for Que Golazo Pod. As part of Black History Month, we have a very special episode now with Tosin McKindy and, of course, Aaron West, CBS Sports colleagues who will discuss about Black representation in the game, issues of racism, and much, much more as we look to improve the game for not just the black community, but minority as well. This is a great conversation. Happy to have Tosin and Aaron and hand them the mic. Please enjoy.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tosin. Uh, Most of you do not know me. I am the social media manager for CBS Soccer um, Champions League page and most of you probably know Aaron. So Aaron, you can introduce yourself.
0: What is going on, yo? I am Aaron West. I'm here with Tosin to talk about a very, very important issue that's is near and dear to our hearts. It's Black History Month. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you can tell, we're we're black folks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we we've been in this sport for a while, so we uh, we have the opportunity to kind of chat about this space, about being black in in the sport of soccer, about the the how things stand kind of in the world now. So I'm I'm very I'm very blessed and very excited to be able to have this opportunity. So. Hey, good morning, man. Number one. <laughs> yeah,
2: good morning. That's the first thing, right? But, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, we are black. Um, it could be racially ambiguous. I don't know. We might have to get a haircut like Travis Kelsey. I'm
0: openly black. I am openly yeah. black, bro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if that means anything. But that, my first question for you is just, like, how did you get involved in the sport? Like, what made you really get inside? Because, like, especially growing up in America, I think one of the biggest things is a lot of people don't realize, like, there are black people who love the sport. And, like, I just insane. So how did you get into the sport?
0: Yeah, it's wild. I grew up, I was born and raised in, in North Carolina. I grew up in Chapel Hill, like pure basketball country. Um, both of my parents went to UNC Chapel Hill. My dad was actually the first black uh, head coach in the ACC at UNC, but for track and field. So we had like no soccer background. When I was three years old, my mom's best friend who is a, a white lady um, introduced us to the sport. And like, as soon as I saw soccer, It was like a wrap for me i was in love i fell in love immediately um and we like we didn't have cable we were in chatham county north carolina like on this like right on the edge of chapel hill where it's like it's 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 pretty southern uh it's like it's like baseball baseball basketball and football that's what people play nobody really played soccer nobody really knew about it but my parents did their best to educate themselves on the sport my mom's best friend like would would give us like highlight tapes and and like showed us magazines, and that that's kind of where I, I got my introduction. And it was Ajax highlight tapes that like got me into to really loving soccer. And I saw I saw black faces, and it was like wild to me to see like these young black dudes with like dreads at Ajax just like balling, and it just made me like I, I I fell in love with Ajax. I fell in love with Holland, um, like the the colors, the the black faces, uh, just the the joy that i saw from black players um just really just hooked me like immediately and so that was kind of my introduction it's it's part of why like i, I still love dutch football to this day but that, that was really what got me man i saw people that looked like me in a sport that just immediately grabbed me and it was it, there was no looking back <laughs>
2: It's, it's the reason why I asked that is because like representation is so important. That's literally why I became a Maine United fan. Um, I came in United fan in 1995, which seems like it was like yesterday, but 1995 was like literally 26 years ago. Which is like, <laughs> we're gonna have oh, people crazy. watching this that were like negative five, <laughs> yeah. And if people born in 2000, like what do you mean 1995? But yeah, I saw Andy Cole move to main United, and then Paul Ince was still there at the time, and it's just like, oh you see a black guy who's scoring all the goals from main net, like, that's who I want to be like growing up. And then we got Dwight York and we got a whole bunch of other black players. But it's like, when you see somebody who looks like you, you want to kind of emulate that in a sense. And that's kind of like, it gives you a standard to look at. It's like, okay, cool. That's the person I want to be like. That's the person who looks like me. And it, and it helped out that like, at that time, Nigeria was doing well. Like we won the Olympics a year later. And then like, we went to the World Cup and like, got beat by Denmark. But that's, that's the point. But <laughs> we are not to about think, that part <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't skip that part because i definitely cried in 1998 when we lost but that's not that's not the point but it's like you know you see people who look like you and then you just want to really get into the sport and i think one of the things that i love especially about social media is that you have so many people who are black who are like get into soccer because like they see people like you and i like tweet about i was like why are these dudes awake at 7 a.m talking about soccer it's like this is this is the community this is the aspect of it of soccer and i think more and more people are starting to realize that there's such a big black community in this sport. And it's something that when I first came to America, like I moved here in 2001. And I remember when I've told you the story before, but I remember when we talked, when I first came to school in America, like I remember seventh grade, I transferred to public school and everybody was talking about Alan Ivers. And I was like, yo, what? What are you talking about? I was like, let's talk about David Beckham. And then, like, I was like, first of all, like, I'm not gonna be the one like immigrant kid that's gonna get bullied with a British accent, so I had to learn about American sports. But you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like you kind of have to see people who look like you in the sport, and people really get it. And I feel like now we're starting to see more and more players who are like openly about like they don't care that like what the media is saying. Like you're seeing your Rashford, your Raheem Sterling's, you know, your Lukaku's, your Kevin Prince Boatengs. Like everybody like that's kind of making everybody realize like oh they look like me they act like me just they have a different accent and they speak maybe another language you know so yeah, yeah I
0: think we're in a we're in a really cool period where like the culture has kind of crossed over um when I was coming up when even you're younger than me but when you were coming up like soccer wasn't cool it wasn't cool at all no. <laughs> um, it just it like you wear a soccer jersey and you're getting fried up for it like it mm. wasn't like a cool fashion piece but now with with rappers wearing jerseys, with basketball players, with basketball specifically, I think has been such a big thing because there's so many foreign players, so many Europeans, so many guys who, who like grew up other places. Kobe grew up in Italy. So he loved the game. Tim Duncan grew up playing. So there's so much crossover and and I honestly even similarities between the sports and just how they're viewed. Um, yeah. I think that, that cultural crossover has been massive, the fashion crossover has been massive, the music crossover has been massive. Uh, and it's, it's become like cool. Soccer has become cool. Um, we see more and more black faces. We're, we're in an era of, of athlete empowerment. Uh, I think a lot of <clears throat> soccer players have kind of taken cues from like specifically basketball players and their outspokenness over here um, and, and kind of grab that like that individual responsibility to say, hey, this happens to me. I'm I'm experiencing racism. I'm experiencing this, this, and that. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. Um where I, I think it's really cool when you you see older players like Ian Wright who speak out for the younger players and, and is so proud of the younger players for the stance that they take. Like we see even in the last week or so, like Reese James getting abused online. We see Axel 21 Zabi getting abused abused online. Mark Rashford's been catching it for <laughs> forever. Paul Pogba's been yeah. catching it forever, but it, it's, I think for, especially for young black uh, athletes, men and women, uh, everyone, I, I think it's it's so dope to be able to see that these players not only get it done on the pitch, but they're de- getting it done off the pitch. Like Raheem yeah. Sterling and, and uh, Marcus Rashford especially, like those guys, they're not only outspoken, but Every weekend and week out, they're, they're getting they're, they're getting the results. So I think that's so important—not just to be outspoken, but to also continue to show that like we, we everyone feels like it seems like they they think you can't walk and, t- and chew gum at the same time. Like these guys have a lot of free time. <laughs> They're yeah. not just training for eight hours a day. So there are other things that they can do in their lives that are not just football. And so it, it's been re- especially like I'm not older, but like I'm an older guy when it comes to, to sports. Like when it comes to sports, I'm old. When it comes to social media, I'm old. So it's cool for me to see the younger generation that really cares and it will stick their neck out to to put themselves out
2: there. Yeah. I want to touch on what you were saying about the um the crossover. Like I was like you see players like do in like a podcast with Josh Hart. And you're seeing, like, um, why can't I remember his name from the trailbla- the Trailblazers? He's probably going to be so mad when I realize, like, I don't know his name. He wore a full main added tracksuit last week to his game. And it's like you're seeing players. Know who, who you're talking
0: about. I can't remember his name, though. No, yeah. It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Gary, Gary Trent Jr. There we go. Gary Trent Jr. And it's just like you're seeing, like, even NFL players, like Christian McCaffrey, remember years ago, he was with Bellerin. So you're seeing these, you know, the sport is becoming cool, and you're starting to see more and more, like, black players, like, seeing themselves. And even like the, even the, even the players going overseas, like Mark McKenzie going to Belgium, you are starting to see people realize like, Oh, there are black Americans who are good at soccer because a lot of times when I get it, like, especially with black Americans, they're like, you know, Oh, there's not enough of us specifically. Like, yes, there's African players and there's, you know, black European players, but it's none of us. But you're starting to see your Tyler Adams, your Western McKinney's and you're starting to see these guys go overseas more and more. And they're like, Oh, wow. Just like me. I mean, like, you look at someone like Tim Way. like, I was making a joke, like, last year, like, Tim Way. like, you could probably drop him off in the middle of Harlem, and He you look, you know, just like any other black dude, you drop him off in the, <laughs> the middle of South London, he looks like any dude from South London, you look at someone, you drop him off in Paris, he looks just like anybody else in Paris, you're just, like, you're starting to see barriers broken down, like, before in the 80s and 90s, and early 2000s, you never see broken down before, Um, one thing I want to talk about was, um just, like, coaches and stuff, like, I think, one of the things that you know if, we, if you want to kind of be a little bit more serious is like we haven't really seen too many black coaches at the top level I mean I think the last time I saw like a black coach really like at the highest level coaching in Champions League was when I was a high school senior and that's 2008 and we're in 2021 that, that was Frank Reichardt. So, so we don't see that anymore we don't see black coaches getting these opportunities and like doing these things like even in the media perspective like it has changed. I think we're lucky we're in this society of like being online and we get to see people have their own independent podcasts and shows and there's too many to name but there's a lot of people doing great independent things and that's helping out a lot but it's like even in like regular media we don't see enough of us and like I think that's also part of a reason why like the conversation is a bit skewed and a little bit charred so
0: yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's hard, especially when you are the only one or one of the only ones, it makes your job that much harder because you're not just doing your job. You're doing, whether or not you want to, you're doing the job for hundreds and thousands of other people. So if you're a Black manager, you're not just insert name. You're insert name plus thousands of names behind it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's such a hard thing. It's, for me, it, it was coming up playing soccer, even in North Carolina, like I, I had the the massive benefit to have my first select coach was a black man. Uh, And like, that was wildly unusual. And it was, um, it was just a huge help for me mentally, emotionally, like every time I went to training, I, I had a black man as my coach. Um, I saw a black man coaching. I, for a while, I wanted to be a coach. Um, I realized that I don't like to be outside and I don't have any patience. So <laughs> two those two things made it. So I probably wasn't going to be a coach, but like yeah. just seeing that I had a black coach, I was like, Oh, I can do this. Um, and, and that's, that's what representation is. I don't have to explain what representation is, but it's like seeing someone in a position, Oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm not the only one. Uh, we, spec but specifically with coaching, we have such a long way to go. Um, I, I think upper management and coaching across a lot of sports, it's its a huge issue. Uh, I, I do, I think the more we start to see players trusted with, and I say trusted, trusted with important positions, like we're seeing more Black center mids, uh, we're seeing more Black captains, we're seeing more Black center backs, we're seeing not just like stick them on the outside and let them run, stick them on the wing, let them run, stick them up front, let them run. It's uh, black players in positions of decision-making and intelligence and like being recognized for what's between here and not just like, oh, he can run for all all day. And so the more that black players, I think are trusted in those positions and seen as intelligent players, I think they'll be seen as intelligent managers, intelligent coaches, intelligent upper managers, intelligent transfer gurus. I I just, we're in a an important period now where I think we're at a tipping point and it's I I do like some of what I'm saying but it's just I, the overall we're, we're in a tough place
2: <laughs> yeah and, and things can only get like we can only hope that things get better um and it is frustrating though because it's like we don't really see too many of us like especially in the media aspect like I think that's one thing that I kind of like Frustrates me a little bit is like you look at the you, there's so much opportunity to like make these to make these cultural connections, but like you don't really see it too much. And I do once again have to shout out to everybody who's doing their own independent projects because that is helping a ton. Like you're seeing, like I remember I was talking to Mel D Cole when he was interviewing. Um, oh my God, I'm about the age of myself. He interviewed Patrick Clavitt's son, and he was telling um Justin like how he's the same age as Patrick, and Justin was looking like confused, but it's like Justin kind of felt a lot comfortable talking to Mel D Cole. It's like you'll see a lot more with the players when like you know you speak to them I'm sure you you experience that too interviewing players like they probably open up to you a lot more knowing that like oh he looks like me and like he probably understands what I'm you know what I'm going through over here like something like Jaden Sancho, for example like I remember when you were speaking to Jaden about his barber and they like he was just like yeah I don't trust anybody out here with my hair I'd much rather go back to England like I'm living in Germany I'd much rather go back <laughs> to England and it's like that in itself like soccer aside like that's something we all relate to. I don't care where you're from in this, on the like, in a diaspora, like we all relate to that. Like you have to trust somebody with your hair because you know it's it's a very important part of who we are. So it's just like that in itself was like, see, we all kind of all like see things similarly. So yeah, it's like little cultural aspects like that.
0: For sure, man, especially like being in journalism. For the longest time, I didn't really want to accept responsibility for anyone else. Like I'm a very much like I do me type person. But the older yeah. I get, the longer I'm in this space, like I have felt the, the responsibility to, to pave a path for people behind me to, to open up space for people who come behind me. And like, I feel I feel responsible. And I, I actually I enjoy the role that I'm playing right now to be able to kind of open up the the door for different types of journal, journalism, like to talk to Jayden Sancho about getting his haircut, to like juggle with a player and, and interview them, like to hang out with players and not like, not necessarily just be so stiff that that's, that's how journalism has been for the longest time. Just so very formal, but I look like players. Like I grew up in the same situations as a lot of these guys. Like I listen to the same music. I watch the same things they do. So I have a different conversation with someone who might happen to be like a 45, 50 year old white man. Like, mm-hmm. I, we're just gonna have a different conversation. They're gonna be more comfortable with me. Uh, so I, I think it's important um, for me to be part of that representation of, uh, and accept that responsibility. Like even you, like you're you're, you're younger than me. Like kind of, I've been watching you for a while. Like I, I've been like really interested in your progress. Like it, it's yeah. just like this community is so, is so dope. There's so many of mm-hmm. us that I think support each other because we've had to, uh, especially yeah. on independent projects like that. So I yeah. it's it's a cool time.
2: Uh especially I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this on a, a major network. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing yeah. that like we are given this opportunity because it's it's nice to talk about soccer and talk about things that like we don't get to see all the time. I know we make jokes about all the time, but like the racism in the sport, it's like make fun of PMP all the time, because it's just like, you know, like, you're not gonna just say, like, oh, this player is just fast, put him on the wing, because we all had the experience, like, I always say all the time, if you're, if you're young and black, and you play and you've had to, like, your coach is throwing you on the wings, not because you're, <laughs> not because, like, that's where you're good, it's because you're faster, and you're gonna go do that, so it's just like, we all kind of, you know, we all had these experiences, and, like, even my journey into it, like, I didn't want to be front-facing on camera ever, like, that's something I know I was like, I'd never want to do that, and then, like, it's nice though because it's like you really get to bring out your personality and like see things from a different perspective. It's like, especially being American, like I think one of the things is people don't really think that there's too many American people that really like soccer, let alone like Black American people. It's just like no, no, no. There's a whole community of us who like we're awake on Saturdays at seven a.m. Like I was watching Arsenal Aston Villa on Saturday at seven thirty in the morning. Why? It's not even my team, but because that's just what we do. <laughs> that's just kind of like you know there is a big culture here, so. No, it's nice that we get to see this. And I think one of the biggest things this progress, is this continuous progress. Like it, it hurts to see when players get racially abused online um, because I think the biggest thing when I see those things is like, they're probably like 14 year old kids in their mom's basement who are just being little, you know, just trolls. And it's like, you shouldn't do that to people because, you know, it, it's awful. And I and one last thing I want to talk about was like the racism, anti-racism campaigns. I think they're frustrating in a sense because it's like, when you grow up watching all these campaigns, like, what else is next? I remember the, my favorite campaign, and I shouldn't call the anti-racism campaign my favorite, but as a standout. speaker, <laughs> I remember 0405, like, you're Arsenal fan, you're, I'm a United fan. You remember the game, the one with John O'Shea scored called a chip? Both the teams wore an anti-racism campaign. It's I hate like, that
0: chip so much, by the way. I know you when do. Did I, he
2: blacked out. Did he blacked yeah. out. We, we don't know. have to talk about this. Yeah, we don't, but... <laughs> It's like 16 <laughs> years later, like, players are now leaning and kne- kneeling on the ground, which is insane to think about. Like, a player born in that era is actually training United's first team, by the way. A player born in 04 is training United's first team, which makes no sense, by the way. But, like, we're here now, like, 16 years later, what has really changed? It's like, what, yeah. you know, how do we change it? Because I feel like we're not the ones who have to incite change. Like, we're the ones who, we can tell you about it, but until, like, you know, higher management thinks that they actually start doing stuff are just going to keep complaining, and there's only going to be the same perpetual cycle of just, you know, hey, there's racism here. So, yeah, like, hey, they're doing it again. Good. And uh, you should do something about this. <laughs> yeah, we told you about it like 20 years ago. Can you come back hey, and do something about hey, it? Yeah. they're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's amazing that we've been given this space and this opportunity to speak about this. I mean, it, it's nice that, like you know, we're starting to see more and more faces. I mean, shout out to Michael Richards and Alex Scott. They both have been amazing with CBS. They're both, like, amazing. So it's nice to see Alex Scott and, you know, and Michael Richards doing this. So, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we get off?
0: Um, I'm just going to continue to be openly Black, man. That's,
2: that's it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I got to add is just don't be unserious. And that's really kind of, like, the only thing I have to add towards that. So, yeah. Don't be <laughs> unserious. And... I respect that.
0: Be nice to people So yeah. <laughs> Be nice to people Is a solid way to end it <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey everybody I want to thank Aaron West And Tozin McKinley For joining And of course Having that great conversation Make sure That you support The cause And follow us as well On Lasso Pod On Twitter We're on Apple Podcast We're on Stitcher And Spotify We are on YouTube YouTube.com Forward slash Lasso. Have a great Great day